Hey there, everybody, and welcome to Cinema on Tap, your weekly movie podcast with a refreshing selection of industry reviews, excuse me, movie reviews and industry topics on tap for discussion. Got that backwards, but that's all right. As always, I am Scott Lenz here with my good friend and drinking buddy, Christian Ubius. And Christian, let's give it a good crack. That's my Mountain Dew, folks, because I'm doing a dry January. Give me a second. While Christian goes and fetches himself something to drink, thankfully, I can fill the air, not with my own voice, but with the voice of our guest today. And it's none other than frequent friend of the show, Paul Yoder. Paul, welcome back. It's only right to have you be the first guest of 2024. So glad to have you here. How's it going? Thanks, guys. Yeah, I didn't, I wasn't aware this was a BYOB. I have a Nalgene. Uh, here, let me see if I could get the ah, yum, yum, yum. If your Nalgene has a burst of um, carbonated air of, coming out of it, yeah, I'm curious that might be a problem. Be. There's Christian. There's Christian. Oh my. Well, yes, Paul. Apologies. We uh, we have been doing a you know drink a beer with the recording situation, but I'm doing dry January, trying to look out for my health. Christian over there, reckless abandon. You know the the drinking mm-hmm. never stops with him. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I did take a shot of. <laughs> vodka in the middle of watching this movie it felt mm. only right in a way that is uh, actually hilarious because today's movie is none other none other than <laughs> the last temptation of christ uh-huh. as we kick yeah. off our first monthly rotation we're tapping a brand new cinematic keg in a brand new cinematic year and it's none other than january with jesus yes from the mind of scott lens comes another inimitable month here on the show where we will be looking at movies featuring the titular religious figure and specifically tying it in with james samuel's new film the book of clarence which is coming out uh actually probably by by the time this episode is reaching the ears of listeners it will have released here in the u.s but we'll be talking about some other movies in the theme of jesus himself so christian i look to you my friend what is your uh, what is your feeling on this particular month? I, I know I ran a few ideas past you and you did say this one should be the one. So <laughs> I'm curious on your feelings. Like, are you leaning into the controversy or are you just excited to, to see some figures with the Messiah or movies with the Messiah? Where yet? This is difficult. We will be discussing a movie next week which is so far removed from Jesus and just features him. And I feel like I approach movies that are trying to be historical representations differently than movies that are fully comedies or satires or ridiculous or, 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 or just very um, truly changing things. And it, it is, I, I, I can't lie. As someone who practiced this as their faith of choice, then I, that, and when watching this specific movie, I was thinking, how much does that part of me affect the way in which I critique this movie? And it did affect me. And so I'm, I'm assuming that that will also affect all three of the movies. I am assuming it will also uh you know in in good ways and bad ways i'm sure and particularly just in the fact that 
you bring yourself to any movie. So whether you're watching a movie where the character's religion never comes up or a movie explicitly about Jesus Christ, the fact that you are a Christian watching it affects you in, in some way. Um, of course, even within the Christian faith, there's all kinds of expressions and all kinds of denominations and uh, the way that somebody from the Orthodox tradition may view it differently from a, a more conservative American Christian or versus a more liberal European Christian. You know, there's, there's all kinds of ways that our faith affects us. And I'm curious, you know, of course, to get your thoughts on this. Uh, Paul, any anything from you in that realm in terms of approaching these movies as a person of faith, as you know, the three of us met in that kind of context. So uh, don't mean to out you there, but any, anything on your mind as you're you know, sitting down to watch The Last Temptation of Christ in this, like in that specific religious context? Right, yeah. And um, I think there is something to be said about the divisiveness of any movie that is purporting to be about Jesus. Um, there's no neutral position when it comes to uh, approaching these films. Uh, there is no, um, yeah, uh, Jesus, according to uh, the one text we have of him, uh, makes some pretty outrageous claims. And either you believe it or you don't. And uh, it's pretty difficult to, uh, yeah, it's pretty difficult to say like, oh, what's the, you know, what is the sort of generic uh, approach to these films? There is not one. Um, it depends on the sort of uh, dividing line of whether you believe or not. And that's, yeah, it's very simple. I think what also has to come to mind is that we are dealing with arguably the most famous person who has ever lived. Therefore, it's even if you do not claim to follow this religion, you have heard of Jesus in some way, shape or form. And so you are going to bring all, all people are going to bring preconceived notions of who Jesus is to this movie. And I say this movie specifically because this is a very serious and dramatic film. Uh, it, it, it's not a stretch to say that this is not a comedy. And therefore, when you are dealing with Jesus in form of serious drama, it does purport differently. It does make you overanalyze what exactly the adaptation process was. And I'm looking forward to discussing that particular element of these movies as we talk through them this month on the show. And do want to say to anybody out there listening who does not share the Christian faith or you know is completely irreligious, atheist, agnostic, whatever, I hope that our discussions can still be helpful to you, as of course the movies that we'll be talking about are going to be culturally relevant in some way. We're not always discussing way off the beaten path hidden gems and like you said christian almost everyone at least in the united states certainly but most people in the world have heard of jesus in some way or have heard of the christian faith and so i'm really curious to look at these movies and talk about them as cultural objects just as much as the three of us will bring our own like ideas of faith to this particular movie and christian then you and i going forward into future episodes I'm curious to see how these movies work as cultural objects, how they work as religious artifacts, how they work as just movies in general. And I think it'll be fun to dive in, even if we'll be wading occasionally into some controversial waters.
Speaking of controversial waters, The Last Temptation of Christ, uh, based on the 1955 novel by Nikos Kazantzakis, the Greek author, which was a, a book that was, there was controversy surrounding its release in 1955, and then the controversy was renewed in 1988 when Scorsese finally put this film out into the world. A movie that he tried to make earlier in the 80s, and it actually, like, it got a budget, they had backing from a studio, but things fell apart, and he had to work on some different movies in between, but he did not give up, and ultimately did bring The Last Temptation of Christ out with Universal in 1988 there. And it was ultimately, despite the controversy, a mild success too, made just under $34 million at the box office on a budget of $7 million, got Scorsese a nomination for Best Director at the Academy Awards, notably got Harvey Keitel a nomination for Worst Supporting Actor at the Razzies, so some mixed reception here. Let me, let, 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 let me say something, let me say something about, now most, most adaptations of Jesus in and of themselves are not great considering we deal with white Jesus. In this movie, we're dealing with white Jesus and New York disciples. The New York accents on some of these people go hard. And I was watching this and I go, oh, Harvey Keitel is bringing mean streets into this. And I feel some kind of way about that. Yeah, Harvey Keitel and Not also... for nothing, I'm the... <laughs> Not for nothing, you're the son of God over here. <laughs> I'm trying to overthrow the Romans. Hey. Uh, yeah, Cartel also almost inexplicably has big, like, uh, red hair and, red, like, red beard. Yep. <laughs> I just, I don't think he has natural, like, naturally occurring red hair. I think he has uh, brown hair, and I'm just not sure why that choice was made. But <laughs> I'm curious to see if y'all have any thoughts on that. Um, why, I mean, why is The Last Temptation of Christ so controversial? Uh, this is uh, maybe a spoiler to say, but uh, this movie has obviously gone down in history and the novel before it. But the reason, of course, is that it does depict a sequence on the cross where Jesus is once again tempted into experiencing life with as a man as opposed to as a messianic figure or as a god. And he gets married, he has children, and naturally that happening in the book was called uh, sacrilege by Catholic Church, certainly, but other Christian communities as well. Um, notably, there was a, a religious leader named Bill Bright who founded an organization called Crew, which is the organization I happened to meet Christian through back when we were in college. And Bill Bright, when this movie came out, offered to buy the negatives from Universal Pictures for the express purpose of destroying them because, uh, you know, of the controversy or the sacrilege that Scorsese's film could create. But... I've always found the noise around the movie interesting because of Martin Scorsese as director, notably very Catholic. <laughs> and a lot of his movies feature Catholic characters, even if it's not an explicitly religious film. He's making another Jesus movie later this year. Exactly. That news just broke before we recorded a couple of days ago that he's making a new film about Jesus. And he made a film about Jesuit priests called Silence, and another adaptation there uh, of a book by Shusako Endo. Um, so certainly a very religious filmmaker. And I'm curious, as we get into the review here, to talk about whether we think his particular inclinations towards religion were effectively brought into the movie, or if the controversy maybe got the best of him. 
anything else that the two of you wanted to mention in terms of, I guess I should say, in terms of background information, also important to note, Willem Dafoe here playing our, our handsome white Jesus. <laughs> and uh, there's a pretty large supporting cast, some recognizable faces like Harry Dean Stanton shows up. David Bowie has a memorable turn as Poncho's pilot. And Barbara Hershey also plays Mary Magdalene. Harvey Keitel is playing Judas, uh, Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus in the garden. Anything else that you all wanted to mention in terms of background information uh, before we get into the review? Did you did you mention the terrorist deck? <laughs> I did not. I put that in our outline, but uh, just in terms of other like controversial element, like things that happened in the wake of this movie's release. Scorsese himself received death threats and had to have added security, and there was censorship around the world. But no, there also, in October of 1988, was a terrorist attack in Paris where an, an integralist Catholic group attacked a movie theater by placing an incendiary device where the film was being shown at a theater. And nobody was killed, thankfully, but many people were injured after it went off and sent the theater up in flames. So. There you go. There's the terrorist attack that happened behind the scenes. Then the last thing I need to mention is that Paul Schrader wrote the script. Taxi Driver, uh, working with Scorsese for the first time there, of course. And their collaborations continued uh, onto this adaptation of The Life of Christ. Paul Yoder, anything you wanted to mention before we get into the review? Sure. Um, I think it's also interesting to note... Uh, so there's an author behind this work, obviously, but there's also a screenwriter. So Paul Schrader, um, you know, has done a lot of really interesting work, mostly with uh, Scorsese, but um, also went on to make uh, First Reformed, which is a deeply, you know, spiritual um, uh, film about a, uh, a fellow who sort of has uh, messianic feelings, uh, you know, who is uh, desiring to harm himself uh, for the good of others um, and uh, yeah, explores uh, a, another side of this sort of, um, oh, how would I put, how would I put this in an inoffensive way? The, the Jesus in this film seems to uh, want pain. Um, he seems to see it as a, uh, as a redeeming act uh, to be in pain as a result of like his, his temptations and uh, the various, you know, wrongs that he uh, does or seems to do. Um, he opens yeah, the he, movie by uh, saying he whips himself, right? Uh, seems to be, yeah. Seems to be his uh, self-flagellating, um, which uh, is, yeah, um, that is part of the controversy of this movie, too, is that he doesn't just sin in his dream sequence. Um, depending on your definition of sin and transgression, uh, he seems to be doing things that are uh, not um honoring of one's own body or the bodies of others um and uh seems to be a pretty flawed uh individual uh especially before his ministry um after his baptism begins so um yeah there's there's a uh there's a lot to make a person think about this character uh whether or not uh you are of the persuasion that the you know the the the, the film starts off with a uh, a title card um, saying that it's uh, does it does anyone have that in front of them? Uh, but essentially, it's it's saying I that um, do, oh Scott, actually. yeah you do. Okay. Yes, which I, I believe may have been taken from the source novel, but there is a, a title card that does come up that says this film is not based upon the Gospels, but upon this fictional exploration of the eternal spiritual conflict. 
which there's there's some text that precedes that too about the the battle between essentially spirit and body about right and wrong and so scorsese is trying to assure the audience like, this is not supposed to be a direct adaptation of the gospels this is more about a, a fictional exploration of themes but alas controversy ensues. which which Yes, which is a little bit of trying to, you know, have your cake and eat it too. Um, using all the characters, the, their names, uh, their their tropes, um, basically uh, being at least parodies uh, of themselves. Um, and so there's a the case of there's Judas a scary. yeah yeah. Where well, I mean, Jesus Judas is told uh, Judas way way before that his his goal like that he should end up betraying him but that is god's plan for him and that they were buddy buddy through that which is an interesting take um but uh so the um the writer of the novel um insofar as i could tell um was not uh very interested in sort of the um old testament to new testament uh continuity um so the old testament being the sort of um you know books of uh, Judaism, and then uh, the New Testament being um, a sort of uh, take on that where uh, it's describing the life of Christ, um, who uh, Christians would then see as a continuity of the Old Testament. Um, the writer and, uh, you know, they, they seem to be having a lot of fun with, they seem to be really interested in uh, these sort of like extra um, biblical, um, you know, Gnostic and uh, like um, non-canonical uh, texts uh, that surround um, the life of Christ, which for a, um, you know, for a Protestant might be pretty surprising. Um, but for someone steeped in church history, um, might be really interesting to think about. There are all these uh, theologians talking about, like, oh, did Judas do the right thing? You know, uh, was he is he actually um, kind of secretly a hero, or like, what was his motivation? You know, um, the Gospels seem to uh, paint him as a uh, sort of money grubbing, um, you know, thief. Uh, but um, they also seem to think that he's a zealot who, you know, wants to see uh, Israel freed from the Romans, uh, as you know this depiction is. So, um, yeah, the 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 movie is for the sake of telling its own story, uh, borrowing heavily from different traditions, um, and especially the Gospel of Judas, which does have like Jesus takes Judas aside all the time, is like, hey, I told the I told the disciples one thing, but actually they're a bunch of idiots. Here's here's the real here's the real sitch. And um, so, yeah, it's a um, it's it's playing with a lot of fun tropes. And I think that the the title card is a fun nod to like this is a this is like a funhouse mirror reflection of the sort of orthodox faith. Uh, and it's something to kind of hold Jesus up against like, oh, well, what if it was like this? It's the kind of alternate universe thing that really creates a fun uh a fun thing to play around with for the christian and the non-christian although that 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 title card uh, like you said it's them trying to have their cake and eat it too because it's doing a lot of heavy lifting the self-serious nature of this as well as all of the implications as to what it is jesus might have been thinking throughout his entire ministry even on that cross is it to, for you to at the end say 
but I'm not trying to say that this is what Jesus was actually thinking, is I the title card is doing a lot to try and and, and, and put that in the beginning and think that all will be well. I, I regardless of my thoughts on this movie, I, I, I don't think is will do the whole the whole thing for you. Yeah, if you're stuck in the bathroom, you know, before the movie, oh, it, then you're screwed. You're gonna think it's yeah, you're absolutely yeah. screwed. <laughs> uh, do not take a bathroom, the bathroom break. Point. Do not pop extra popcorn. Make sure you're fully seated, seatbelt buckled, eyes on the screen before watching this movie, folks. Scott, Scott, do do the opening question. I was about to, my friend. I was about to. So, naturally, one person we have not fully talked about yet is Willem Dafoe, the star of this movie who at the time was really seeing his career take off. He had had some roles beginning in the early 80s. He was the lead in smaller films like The Loveless, which is actually Catherine Bigelow's rectorial debut, and ultimately would appear in Platoon, the Best Picture winner, and receive an Oscar nomination himself in 1986. And 1988 is a massive year for him. He appears in another action movie called Off Limits, appears in The Last Temptation of Christ, and appears in Mississippi Burning, another film that I believe was nominated for Best Picture that year, a big movie he made across from Gene Hackman. So this is really one the part of the big Willem Dafoe breakout year. The Last Temptation of Christ was certainly a movie that he received praise for. Although, of course, he didn't receive an Oscar nomination or anything like that, he was considered to be one of the successes in this controversial movie. So my question to you two, and, and Christian, you're, you're the normal co-host of the show. I'll give it to you first. In light of this month being January with Jesus, we're looking at movies about Jesus Christ. What did you make of Willem Dafoe's portrayal of Jesus in this film? He is okay. And, and, and <laughs> there, is, there is something about him... He, he's chosen to go emo Jesus in this movie a lot. He is a tortured soul, yep, at the very beginning of this film. He is a tortured soul in the middle. He changes a little bit what his core messaging is. He doesn't know what God wants from him and keeps begging God to speak to him to the point of yelling out in pain a lot. Although, what what is interesting about the screenwriting, the directing, and the performance, he keeps saying that his core message is love. I do not see this as a man who loves God. I see this as a man who thinks he should, but doesn't know how to. I also see him as someone who is really good at playing a human. I don't see him as someone who's really good at playing jesus I'll, I'll 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 push it back out into the table for other people to 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 go for paul i'm i'm curious your thoughts on christian's take there feel free to use any part of it as a jumping off point yeah sure um so you know knowing uh willem dafoe mostly from later roles as uh weirdos and uh you know super villains um it's very fun to see uh this again i think it's a take it's a fun house mirror to sort of uh expose like this is a jesus that um 
there doesn't really seem to be evidence for in history or in you know the books that were written about him. Um, he's very he's very different, and I don't think that the filmmakers are trying to give us an accurate representation. I think they are honest when they're saying this is a story about the human spiritual condition, and uh, the Last Temptation takes on the. Um, it's a very very cool way to show something that films about Jesus often don't show, which is a Jesus that is uh, struggling. Um, there are a lot of Jesus depictions where he is, uh, you know, he has the perm fluffy hair. He has the, you know, uh, two sheep in either arm and is very glowy and effervescent and, you know, uh, very safe. Um, and yeah, that's also not the Jesus that we see in history or the Gospels. Um, we do see someone who has a very... Uh, very strong emotions, um, which I would say uh, Defoe nails. He has a, um, he's almost, the, the the film sort of strays into the territory of, man, this man has like epilepsy or something. Like this man is uh, plagued by some kind of wild fantasy life uh, that, you know, he, he says his head hurts, you know, is he is uh, plagued not just by, um, his calling necessarily, but um, he, he feels it deep down. Um, and there is something real about that. There's something uh, very interesting about that. Um, There's something but, human yeah, about I, it. I think, yeah, no, sure. And I think that that's the interesting question you have to ask yourself then is like, is Jesus more human or are we more human? You know, um, is this, uh, you know, representation in the Bible um, of a, uh, what is purported to be a perfect human being, um, is that really human? And uh, I don't know that this film is really interested in that. They're interested in a much more uh, down-to-earth and flawed... Uh, it's a fully formed character, and it's consistent. Uh, but like Christian said, um, there is a... Uh, it is a struggle to see this person as someone who's like really like excited about God. Uh, he seems scared. He seems really... Um, seems to view God as a, you know, distant and withholding father. Um, you who never is hear like God to get speak him. in this entire no, thing. No. Not once you hear God the Father speak, if you're going through all of the supposed terms. Yeah, which is, uh, you know, leads me back again to saying, like, this is more interested in, you know, legitimately describing the human spiritual condition, um, which is one of, like, near constant failure and... A lot of uncertainty, um, a lot of, uh, you know, discipline and uh, triumph and tragedy. That said, there's not much joy, you know, and uh, I think you see you see a little bit of it when he's once he starts to preach. But we can get to that. Um, but I think it's a wonderful, wonderful performance. I think it's really unique. It's something new that I haven't seen from Defoe before. Um, but, yeah, I really appreciated it. I I think largely, Paul, I am with you and. Christian, I, I know you landed more in the middle on the performance, and it sounds like you also maybe have some problems with the portrayal, which I'm curious to tease out. But I, I agree. I think this is a strong lead performance from Defoe. And a lot of our preconceptions coming into it about Jesus are constantly upended by the way this portrayal of Jesus is written and is directed by Scorsese trying to capture 
this Jesus, who to me, you really get the sense from this film that Jesus was a man. And much is made, of course, in, in Christian theological discussions about how Jesus is fully God and fully man. And for, for the Christian, there's you almost always a belief in Jesus' divinity alongside his manhood. And capturing Jesus as a man seems to be one of the primary goals of the movie. And, and in that way, that's where it's almost aiming to be, and this is maybe too bold, but almost theologically instructive. The idea that as much as Jesus was God and was connected to God, the Father, that he also was this flesh and blood person born of a woman who had his own emotions, who had struggles and temptations that he dealt with. And I found that to be fascinating, especially in the almost ascetic way that Defoe portrays him. This, uh, you know, we talked about the self-flagellating. We see him before his ministry as a carpenter. The thing he is specifically doing is building crosses for the Romans to crucify uh, Jewish insurgents with. And we see before he takes a cross beam up to uh, where a, a person is going to be crucified, he actually wraps a belt of nails around his waist so that it, it pierces him and he feels the pain as he carries this thing up to this, this particular spot. It, it is, to me, it, it, it's almost helpful to get a, an extra biblical um, image of Jesus, not just to see his manhood and see his humanness, but also to understand the way that the ancient peoples he interacted with must have experienced him as his ministry began and as he began teaching and performing miracles. Um, right. I, I will say this is, however, from the perspective of Jesus. And the one thing, and it's, you know, upending all of these tropes. I don't know if you can say tropes, but maybe common thoughts about Jesus throughout whether or not you want to abandon anything about Jesus, it feels like if you're going to do something about a religious figure, you should try to go into the relationship that the individual has with a greater purpose or a faith. And where I am struggling with the movie is, again, you never hear God speak. He, he, we see that Jesus seems intent on talking about love and yet he's not having a good time and you you know you want to focus in on the struggles you want to focus in on the humanity you want to focus in on these things that are kind of uglier sides that uh, biblically we know that jesus historically faced but what, what what does jesus want why does jesus like god want to follow god why is he focused on love? Why does he randomly pick up the axe? I, it's not random. There's kind of a purpose behind it, but all of it is muddy. Almost, and and it, it's almost like Scorsese is pulling his punches when trying to ref, put, put a deity into this and instead wanting to go for a shock factor of Jesus. And I do dislike that from a filmmaking standpoint i think in a way paul like like paul was saying early on how your the different tradition you come out of might inform the way you treat this movie 
I think the the murkiness and the thematic density is a feature and not a bug of this movie and this particular portrayal of Jesus. And there are certainly Christian traditions that aim for a more clear and understandable message and a, and a clearer... No, but for, forget about the message. I Not even what does he believe in. I don't see this as a man who actually loves God, and I am told by the movie that he does. I don't. Um, there, there's this one point where an angel says, um, "Your uh, God is the God of mercy, not punishment." And I was thinking to myself, "What does that mean?" I don't. I don't. I, I, what am I seeing in this movie that is portraying mercy? What am I seeing in this movie that is portraying punishment? As it comes to something that is not of this world, and as much as we can zero in on human elements, you're. you're you're, you're dealing with God to some extent. You're dealing with religion. You're dealing with some things that have to go outside of the natural state of things. And it's, I, to the extent that this movie is not interested in pursuing that, I think it actually clouds it because I don't find this Jesus to be someone who, I, I don't get why he has followers because I don't know why they're following him. I don't understand the performance because I don't know what the performance is anchored in. I don't understand the screenwriting because if this is going into something that is torturous and I go into the whole emo Jesus because I think that there's something actually kind of cool about showcasing how much anxiety or stress or depression and, and, and you do... Um, uh, look, if, if, if you think being crucified is easy, I don't think that getting those nails put in your hands is easy. And so if you're someone's going to go through that, why is someone going to go through that? Is something that the movie is skirting and yet seems crucial to understanding this movie. And I'm trying to take all of my biases out of it. I have my own biases that have affected me and make me dislike other parts of this movie. But in an of its essence, I don't think you can make a movie that 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 has honestly Jesus in it and and ignore an idea of God. Um and 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 I I I think that is a failure of it. I think that the tradition that this is coming out of is the mystery play, the the Christian tradition that says, man, this all is so mysterious. Um, it's compelling and great, but we will never get to the bottom of it. Um, and I think that the, I, I, I like the film, I'll be honest. And, you know, I think that, um, it is a, it is so cool to see Scorsese who, um, I mean, if you watch his other, other movies, you're like, oh no, he, he would never, you know, make a, you know, straight up like, uh, you know, Christian movie, according to the sort of like Angel Studios, uh, pure flicks sort of thing we have now. Um, that's, that's not what he's going for. And if that is, you know, what you want out of your movie, if you want, um, you know, kids stuff, you're going to be disappointed. But there are other ways that the film can disappoint. Um, I certainly see why a person can come out of this and be like, I don't really find that guy compelling. Um, he, to me, is personally not compelling as a messiah i don't know w would you guys follow this guy like say he actually did like rise from the dead which this movie doesn't show say he dies and rises from the dead would you guys follow him no if he started a rock band yes but no 
If you started a rock band, wrapped that belt of nails around his waist before shows like a real punk rocker. Um, you know, <laughs> that's a compelling question, Paul. I honestly don't know because I think there are times that I would, you know, and I think the the few miracles that we do see performed in this movie are moments where Jesus is portrayed not only as a miracle worker and potential godlike figure, but also just as charismatic. The this the famously the first miracle Jesus is recorded as performing in the Bible that appears about halfway into this movie is the uh, turning of the water into wine at, at a wedding. And in that scene, you know he's he is basically messing with the person who comes and approaches him about the the wine being gone, and he's like. Go get from that barrel, Jesus says. It's wine. And this other person says, no, it's water. I put it there myself. And Jesus says, no, it's wine. I'm telling you. And he goes over and lo and behold, it is wine. And you see this, like, <laughs> uh, I had a teacher in school who referred to a, there's an image on the internet of a, like, statue of Jesus doing, like, finger guns. And she referred to him as Buddy Christ. Uh, like, Buddy Christ appears in the wedding scene, you know, like your pal who's not afraid to get down with a little wine. Um, and, and I think there are moments where I would follow that Jesus, especially when he is speaking a, a compelling message about God. I think other times it is a little bit unclear what he is doing that is so charismatic to the people around him. And again, I think that comes with Scorsese uh, and Schrader as screenwriter and the original novel having an interest in capturing the feeling of what it must have been like to be an ancient Hebrew encountering this man from Nazareth, this nowhere town, who is suddenly speaking with authority on theological matters and even comparing himself uh, or outright saying he is God. So I don't know. I don't know what I would personally do. It, it is certainly something that I've been thinking about since watching the movie. Yeah, yeah. So um, the... I think one of the most useful things uh, about this movie, and I think that this, uh, I don't want to read Scorsese's mind, and I actually didn't um, do a ton of research into this movie because I was like, man, I don't want to have the take that, you know, every other, uh, you know, um, Christian or non-Christian apologist like has about this film. What I do think is extremely useful about it is that um, it's showing us a Jesus who um, probably could not have existed um, in history. Um, this, you, you, you see the disciples follow him. It seems like, because they have nothing better to do. Um, they are, he, he finds them in like, just, just lazing about. And he's like, well, I guess like, I don't really know what this guy's about. I don't know what's happening here. Um, but you know, let's, let's hang out. Let's see what happens. Um, at some point, uh, Paul, uh, the apostle Paul shows up and, uh, you know, downright tells Jesus, um, Oh my gosh, I have the quote here. Um, he says to Jesus, you know, I'm glad I met you because now I can forget all about you. My Jesus is much more important and much more powerful. Um, and this is a this is a movie that shows us uh, what it would be like if the kind of um, mentally ill, uh, no offense, you know, but, you know, uh, a, a person who is uh, seeing things that do not really exist, a person who... Um, is uh, contradictory and who um, does not see reality um, for what it really is. Uh, it does not seem like this kicks off the movement, you know? Um, 
And uh, so whatever else you think of Jesus, you know, um, people at the time, uh, we have, you know, recorded documents of people who uh, liked him and people who didn't. Um, both of them say that he was doing these wild, you know, uh, crazy tricks. Uh, both of them say that he was, you know, teaching people. Um, he was sort of cutting a dividing line. Uh, one people, you know, says he's a deceiver. Uh, the other says he's the son of God. Um, and what you can't do is you can't have this Jesus that is sort of like the gray in the middle. You know, this is Lewis's trilemma. Uh, C.S. Lewis says uh, you can either call him um, a madman, uh, you can call him a liar, or you can call him the son of God. Um, and uh, I think that that is what is of most use to Scorsese is he is a, uh, I don't exactly know his faith persuasion, but I think he's trying to show us something that couldn't have existed. And I think he's trying to show us, um, he's trying to take one version of Jesus off the table um, is one of the things he's doing with this film is to say, um, this couldn't have happened. And uh, this is not what starts the movement. So that is that is my take. I don't know how that jives with everybody else, but the, that's what I'm thinking. That, that quote that you said that, that, that Paul gives about how it doesn't matter what Jesus actually did. What matters is what he's saying. That is where I go. Okay. So we're saying that truth is relative and none of this actually matters, which did upset me. And I didn't want to go into that one specifically because that was the point where I go, I can see why religious leaders at the time did not like this movie. If you're also implying that what G what actual events happened that kicked off something a lot of people care about right now isn't that important. I think you could have cut part of that, that, that speech, not his meeting with Paul, but that couple sentences from the movie. And I would have liked it slightly more because, yeah, I found that a little offensive. I have to admit. Uh... I don't think that's offensive. I do think it, it's not the strongest writing because you can feel Scorsese and Schrader, whoever put that line in there, communicating directly to the audience through Paul mm -hmm. and saying like, yeah. it, like it doesn't matter because we can, we can say, light spoilers, of course, I, I've already talked about the ending to this movie, which the title is where it, you know, what informs the, the final sequence of the movie. But this does come in this imagined alternate temptation where Jesus has aged. He's grown old. And naturally, Paul, like Saul, had his conversion to Paul regardless, although Jesus did not actually die on the cross. And he is now envisioning this meeting with Paul. And, you know, it's instructive to, to have Schrader or whoever wrote that line say, that Jesus is who we think he is, you know, and truth being relative or not, I think it is interesting to fit that into your movie about Jesus, but it does feel like a little, uh, quite a lot actually on the nose about what they're trying to get at with the movie, which is otherwise they had trusted the audience had been, again, I, something I said earlier, much denser and not always so easily understood. Whereas in that particular moment, they just clarified what they were getting at. Yeah. And it, which is especially interesting because uh, you go into the Bible and you see Paul, uh, like literally the Apostle Paul say, um, if Christ did not die and rise from the dead, then we above all other men are to be pitied. Uh, he's saying if we are not seeing reality for what it is, 
um, then we are following, uh, we are dedicating our lives uh, and um, doing these things that are not according to reality and we're therefore going to suffer more than we would have. Uh, we will create a, we'll create a lie for ourselves and it's not like a noble lie, it's not good, uh, it makes things worse. Uh, and that is the um, that is the thing is that uh, the Christ of the Bible is trying to say no reality is actually like this and if you uh, if you live according to these tenets right for the most part um, you are going to uh, you're going to be living according to you know quote unquote the kingdom of heaven uh, you're going to be living according to the way that things really are if we really just had eyes to see it. So that is that is the uh, there there are various arguments being made, but again, this sort of like pluralistic uh, like hey believe whatever you want sort of thing, um, that's that's fine. You can have that story. Um, it is a uh, it's a really interesting movie. I think it's really fun, and uh, I'm especially interested to talk about like that uh, scene where you know Satan does tempt him off the cross of saying like oh God's a God of mercy, you know he wouldn't kill his son. And uh, we get to uh, the Jesus threesome and it's uh, it's yeah, I don't know. It's a really fun part of the movie and I'm really interested to talk about it. Uh, uh, I don't like this movie. I think it's I, 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 I think it's quite dull. Also, I don't like the main I knew character. this. I knew this before I conceived of this episode. <laughs> like, uh -huh. I knew we would arrive at this conclusion, Christian. But I although I felt like I could predict what you would feel, I am curious to hear more about why aside from you know even elements that maybe offend you in a way that don't offend others and that's just well, that's watching movies I, I only said of one thing so far yeah that, no that, i know that, i i'm saying i know you have legitimate complaints beyond that is what i was trying to get at like you're saying it's you found it dull unfortunately it, it, it's there's there's no driving plot to get jesus on that cross there's no Again, I don't think the character of Jesus is fleshed out. Besides, I don't know what I'm gonna do, and it, all of that together, it, it's it's just not a movie I want to sit down with. Forty-five minutes in, no, thirty-three minutes in, I started the. All right, let's check the clock. Oh frick! I thought it was an hour into this movie. Yep. It's it it was, and it, so so, uh, Paul. When you said this movie is fun, I had an allergic reaction to that. I don't think this movie is sure. fun whatsoever, and I don't think, I don't think commercially, this is this is a movie that's that's fun for people to see, and I, I'm a, I'm a. No, I'm not gonna say that because that would defeat the whole point. I mean, just in terms of being dull, you 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 go from miracle to miracle. I don't I don't know how he's getting from place to place, and I he 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 starts off with one disciple who's Judas for some reason, and then he 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 ends up with twelve. I don't know how they got there. I don't know what it is that he said that enticed them to go there. So it, I'm I'm being told that this dude's like really charismatic or something, and that they all believe he's gonna do something great. I'm 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 checking the clock. I'm I'm like just trying to run it out. In the Bible itself, there are moments where it'll say something to the effect of, "And Jesus arrived at Capernaum," and you're just thinking right, to yourself, yeah. 
but he was just somewhere else. And, and you know, and I think that the eliding of time is something that the Gospels use. And, and of course, this isn't based on the Gospels, quoth Martin Scorsese. But it's it's also you 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 can't tell me that necessarily without saying if you're adapting a book, which is adapting the Gospels. In the art of adaptation and knowing that you are supposed to be working on something that people are going to see, you need to do something to tell people, hey, now there are more people here. And maybe this is why. And to, that to that is end, to that point, I think, the, I think that Scorsese does achieve that. And although he addresses certain elements of Jesus' story differently than the Bible, of course, does, or that... Uh, theology and you know, studying of the Bible has taught people over the years. I think we do see, for example, there are, yeah, this is not a heavily plot driven movie, but that that's not neither, you know, sin nor virtue. That is, that's just a fact of the movie. And we do see plot threads like Jesus's relationship with Judas, who is depicted as maybe not a, like a man from Nazareth, but someone that knows Jesus. Um, there, there's a, like, intense confrontation they have very early on in the movie where judas directly tells him you're a, you're a jew killing jews because jesus is is building these cross uh, the cross beams for the crucifixions as we uh, as we said and their relationship carries through the movie up to and including I, I forget which one of you said it but up to and including jesus essentially you know telling judas that he'll have to be the one who betrays him and judas going through with it and revisiting their relationship in this last temptation during the final sequence of the movie we see jesus's relationship with mary magdalene right. well, the, the this issue woman with that relationship is that harvey keitel is not convincing as judas harvey and that that christians with the golden raspberry awards on this one <laughs> i i look look but but I don't fin finish your awards. finish your thought yeah. i i don't believe in those yeah. awards but he, he's he's just angry i don't know what any of their pre relationships are and he all of a sudden it, it, he, he apparently was sent by the romans to kill jesus and he stops and, and oh man decides to follow him because he's someone who wants to follow god and says all right but step out of line and i will kill you i don't know what that means i don't know exactly what type of symbiotic or honestly kind of parasitic relationship it is that they're going on to where he, he he's like a bodyguard who's saying that what this man is saying is important it, it keeps coming back to the movie is telling me this dude's important the title is telling me that this dude's important why is this dude important what what the frick is his message what the frick does he want to do he says he believes in love i don't see any of that and people keep coming up. I don't know why. I wouldn't go up to this guy. And yes, if you want to upend the tropes of Jesus and show him as a man who is suffering, and we've talked all about that so far, and yes, that, that, that that's actually interesting. But I, I, it, this this was just not the way to do so. Mm. I, 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 yeah, definitely sounds like it wasn't for you. Yeah. I, no, 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 no. It, it's just, I don't just want to end it on the movie wasn't for me. Yes, undoubtedly this movie wasn't for me. Uh, I, 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 I do think that it's, let's go into like three different categories. I don't think it's a commercially successful thing to make. I don't think that it's a movie that's Box office disagrees. <laughs> what? 
the box office disagrees with you, Christian. I have my thoughts sure. about that, but continue. Sure. I, if sure, um, I, 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 I don't think it's it's a good representation of Jesus. Okay, fine, we can disregard that. I also don't think it's well regarded in terms of Scorsese works in general. I, I, I but I yield my time. <laughs> Scott, you no were saying the questions, Your Honor. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I may just be a simple country film critic, but now this Martin Scorsese, what's he doing with his portrayal <laughs> of our Lord? Um, so, uh, <laughs> I mean, just to what you were saying, Christian. I mean, regarding like, is the Last Temptation of Christ a commercially viable film? Is it entertaining? I don't know if that's particularly relevant to a discussion of any movie that's not like coming from a franchise where we know at least part of the inspiration was this, the box office of the preceding film. And I'm sure there was some like a, a lightning rod of controversy element that helped The Last Temptation at the box office or like non-American audiences. Well, I mean, in Paris, there was a, a firebomb thrown, at, you know, let set off in a theater, but even so interest in a portrayal of jesus from a big time filmmaker like martin scorsese who was successful by this you know this point in his career and i mean even how it's regarded among his films it's certainly not goodfellas or the wolf of wall street but it is if you look at how it's rated on things like letterboxd you know it has a 3.9 out of 5 on letterboxd and i think there is something compelling about this portrayal of jesus that is a portrayal of Jesus that is not, like Paul mentioned earlier, from whatever, like explicitly Christian studio or Pure Flix Entertainment, uh, you know, works that certainly serve a purpose and reach a certain type of audience. But I think there's something about The Last Temptation of Christ and its portrayal of Jesus and his struggles with his uh, humanity compared to his divinity that was compelling to people and still is to this day. I think, if anything, I would have been more interested had Scorsese approached and tried to integrate Jesus's divinity and connection to God in this movie in a way that was not so yearning, almost. Because we do see Jesus having some kind of relationship to God the Father, like in these almost seizures that he experiences, falling down in pain in his head constantly talking about God or, or trying to reach out to God, even having a monologue, a, a narrating, narrative monologue from time to time. I think we do understand that Jesus has some kind of connection to God the Father, and the Bible itself does not depict God the Father speaking all that often during the ministry of Jesus. Uh, we do see that happen during his baptism from John the Baptist, which that is depicted in the movie without God the Father making an appearance. Again, trying to go opt away from the more miraculous and divine portrayal of Jesus. I, I Yo, imagine what, that was the also, intent. But. What was that scene? Because there were naked people dancing as John the Baptist was speaking. I, I, I was confused as to yeah. as to what was going on. I mean, you know, John the Baptist in the Bible is described as this wild yep. man who eats locusts and honey. You know, where's the, where's the shirt made of camel hair, I believe. Um, but he, uh, you know... I think what they're trying to do there is have a entertaining, you know, idea of like, oh, this is Burning Man out here. You know, this guy is a, you know, he has a new, um, he has a new idea about Jewish faith and it's a revival and it's wild and crazy. Um, and, you know, here comes Jesus and this guy recognizes him. 
Um, and uh, yeah, it's a, I think, yeah, I don't know. My, um, my feelings on that part and on like, as we get into the ministry of Jesus, you know, uh, saving uh, Mary Magdalene from, you know, being stoned, um, creating a, uh, even at one point, like storming the temple um, on two occasions, right? So one time he's flipping over tables. The other time he's flipping over tables and bringing uh, yep. an army. Um, and uh, there is this part where uh, he is standing in front of everyone. Um, he's got the soldiers, uh, Roman soldiers above him, the uh, you know Jewish uprising beneath him. And they say like, Ju- Judah says, give the word, man. Like, let's go. This is the time. Um and Jesus, he looks down, his hands have the stigmata. They are bleeding uh, from, you know, puncture wounds. He says, no, we're not going to do this. And I think that even though um, I understand that this film is going to be way more compelling to me uh, than it was to most people, I think here's, here's my thing about the box office uh, success. Silence, uh, Scorsese's movie, movie Silence, did not have this box office success. Disastrous. Um, same exact themes, same exact uh, things that I found like deeply compelling. I can't get people to watch this movie at all. Uh, I I tell people like, hey, you should see Silence. It's about um, you know this uh, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's about Jesuit and, 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 priests being yeah, persecuted and yeah. in, in no, but I'm like, wh- yeah, yeah where, where do I start that makes it compelling for people? But if I say, hey, last temptation of, uh, you know, Christ, uh, you know, Jesus threesome, like butts and seats, let's go. There is a, um, for lack of a better word, there's name recognition here. Um, and when you are, when you have, you know, Defoe with his uh, crown of thorns on the poster there, um, when you have people firebombing the theater, when you have, uh, you know, Bill Bright and, you know, the papacy and all these people coming out against it. Um, I don't know if the papacy did. I'm making that up. Um, <laughs> but uh, the if you have if you have all of this like firestorm surrounding it. Um, yeah, you're you're going to see a box office success. And I think it is compelling. I, I don't think it's like uh, commercially compelling. I think it's compelling uh, as a human being. So. And I, I like Christian, I hear you. It's not uh, something that you like or agree with that should exist. Uh, I understand you want to take, I understand you want to buy the negative and burn it. Um, and, uh, but that is a Christian. I, I think, again, yeah. um, let's not say that. Let's not say <laughs> that. Christian, out loud. Christian has never. I'm going to cut this whole part out of the podcast. podcast (laughs) Um, But in any case, in any case, uh, we have a, um, we have a film that like it, it does really, it is compelling in the way that it creates controversy and creates a conversation. And I love that. Um, And I understand that, you know, it could be doing so from maybe not the best place, maybe some shock value. But I think it's doing something really special, which is uh, something that a lot of depictions of Jesus, which are um, overly bland and uh, ignoring the real shock value of God and man becoming one uh, and in, in the midst of you know political turmoil and all this stuff. I think, I think it does a lot more than a lot of portrayals of Christ do. So I don't know. It's interesting. Wait, what's, have, you, have you heard of the trial of Judas Iscariot? 
it it is a wonderful and interesting play where in in the afterlife you put judas on trial and everyone from uh uh, uh, uh mother teresa to 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 like um uh to to jesus to the devil himself are are uh basically giving testimony <laughs> in aid or against uh, of judas it, it's it's so cool it's so interesting I, I i feel like this movie didn't go far enough in some ways it, it, and it, I, you know it's 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 not just man look at this other thing that this movie isn't but this i, I Believe it or not, I think this movie's straying too close to some source material. Um, and uh, I I don't know, could Jesus just be a figure that's that's too weird to adapt in some cases in a way that's compelling? But also, I'm speaking for myself, and and I I, I, I recognize this. The question that I, I I do have in the back burner is if. This is a figure that is so important in so many people's faiths. Is a portrayal like this okay? Because a portrayal like the one that we see in Life of Brian, A plus. Um, I'm, I'm and I'm, I'm not giving my, my 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 thoughts on the movie. I'm I'm just saying no one believes that Life of Brian is real. No one believes that the Book of Clarence is real. I think part of the outrage for some people, you could walk into this theater and you could have some opinions of Jesus that are contradictory to what people think Jesus actually did. I think that's something to keep in mind. If he's that important, if he is so important to multiple people, this is without at all condoning the terrorist attacks, which are awful and should not have happened at all. <laughs> you this hear that, is, FBI agents? This, this, <laughs> the, and this is... This is also not even condoning Bill Bright who wanted to burn these things. It's like, a, I think it's okay for people to say, hey, we don't appreciate this movie. Knowing that uh, Scorsese has, has, has a Catholic past and a, 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 a view of God, there are some things that I wasn't a fan of in it. And... Uh, hmm. I promise that the rest of my time here will be solely criticisms about the movie itself. But yeah. But again, yeah. like I want that from you when we're talking about these movies. Like part again, part of my motivation in doing this is just investigating what we bring to the movies themselves. We like movies are living not necessarily living documents. I think it was Roger Ebert who said this that like it's not that movies are living documents of art, it's that we as people are ever growing and changing and you can watch a drama about a father and son when you're 10 and just find find it like oh that was a nice movie and then you can watch it when you're 20 and you're an adult and you have a relationship to your father and you can think about your own relationship with your father and then you watch it again when you're 40 and you have children and you think about your the children you have and how it, you bring yourself to that now as a parent and we grow and change as we watch these movies we bring ourselves to them and certainly i, I will I will accept anybody's unwillingness to watch a movie like this because it does depict Jesus. Certainly depicting Jesus Christ in a way that is um, not the way he is portrayed in the Gospels. There are 
from a purely objective standpoint, events told out of order, stories collided into one another, like Mary Magdalene being the woman that Jesus saved from stoning, for example. Uh, I think it's also uh, scholars agree that Mary Magdalene herself was not a prostitute, but she is portrayed as one in this movie, for example. And so there are things that are factually untrue based on the history of these people, that, that the history that we know, plus the theological writings we have that they inspired, you know? And, and that's what I want to investigate as we as we look at these movies in this month, comparing the dramatic renditions with the more comedic interpretations and considering them all as we watch these movies. Myself personally, as, as someone who has his own growing and changing faith, I think I've found much to draw from out of this movie and, and didn't look to Martin Scorsese to teach me who Jesus was and what he meant to the world. But of course, I'm bringing that as a person who grew up in the church, who is heavily in involved with church groups for a very significant period of my life. And I have my own understanding of my faith that I brought with me to the movie. And certainly if somebody is like, hey, Scott, what are the central tenets of Christianity? Where should I start? How should I learn? I would not recommend that they watch this movie first. But <laughs> I think for a person... Uh, of course, it can be enjoyed by people of any of any faith persuasion. You can go online and see positive reviews of all, about this movie uh, and negative reviews from people of all types of faith backgrounds. But I did find it compelling as a as a denser, more thought provoking, and and provocative in some ways portrayal of Jesus and, and trying to capture what it must have been like to be there in the ancient world when he came on the scene. Uh, although we are, of course, steeped in his perspective. Uh, in terms of my thoughts on it as a movie, like, uh, honestly, I will say, liked it. If you're going to watch a Martin Scorsese movie about faith, watch Silence. But <laughs> if you're going to watch two Martin Scorsese's about faith and, and spirituality, watch this one as well. Um, so it, it seems like we are uh, approaching perhaps the end of our conversation here. But any final thoughts here that we, we did not get to uncover in the course of our discussion? We didn't talk about Peter Gabriel's score. Anybody got thoughts there, maybe? Or Yo, that score was wild. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I honestly liked it. There's lots of like uh, influences from different types of world music. So there will be more like African-style chants and drums in some sections and then like synths in another. <laughs> like, kind of funky, but I'm a fan. Uh, did you guys notice uh, Zebedee? the father of James and John, who was portraying Zebedee. Did you, did you catch that? Urban Kirshner. Yes, Urban Kirshner, ah. <laughs> director of The Empire Strikes Back, popping in to act as the father of James and John. Good for him. Yeah, when you factor in David Bowie, of course, playing Pontius Pilate, there's a, a Yo, couple Okay, okay. Uh, when the credits are rolling, no, because I saw Pontius and I go, I know that pasty white face. And then the credits roll and it's David Bowie and I go, oh, Sure. Honestly, not enough David Bowie. I mean, Pontius Pilate's only got one scene in the Bible, really. So don't don't do that. Don't, <laughs> don't do don't you dare do that. I mean, you know, Satan is is essentially portrayed as like a preteen girl. So all kinds of portrayals Which, here in this true. Movie. Yeah, true. <laughs> true. Oh, my. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All those teen girls listening to this podcast. Um, Something tells me our audience Can we talk about The Last Temptation? Not, uh, yes, yeah, quickly, because I know we may be running okay. out of time here. But yes, The Last Temptation of Christ itself. The Last Temptation, Jesus is on the cross, little girl Satan comes up, you know, but we don't know it's Satan at this point, uh, says, come on down. Uh, you, you know, you, you pass the test, right? Uh, that like Abraham, uh, you know, you are not going to, God is not going to sacrifice his own son. 
uh, he's going to substitute. He's going to get you out somehow. Um, Jesus comes down uh, and uh, engages in um, a whole lot of loving and uh, has a um, there. What I really loved about that is that Jesus in this movie keeps making excuses uh, to do the less good thing. Um, so instead of like sacrificing himself, you know, on behalf of humanity, his uh, his like big messianic, you know, goal that he's had this movie, um, he's offered a chance to just hey, be normal. Um, and uh, so Jesus in this movie uh, says like, okay, like certainly having a family and, you know, being with, uh, you know, wife and children, wonderful thing to want. Fine, you know, um, but it's the less good thing for this character. And then uh, a little step down from that, uh, you know, there's like, oh, uh, suddenly his, you know, the, the woman he's with, uh, her sister uh, starts inviting him, you know, to to uh, share time with her. Uh, and the angel says, hey, you know, all women are the same, man. And uh, the and so Jesus in this movie says, OK, well, I mean, hey, you know, it's like it's it's nice it's nice to be with somebody right so again is is uh settling for the less good thing right um he continues to do that until jerusalem is burning and uh you know everyone has been uh, destroyed um and he finally comes back to the cross and says i want to be the messiah i want to come back i want to do this um and i think that that is again where the movie has something really fascinating to say um, and if nothing else, I think it's worth a person sitting down and interrogating that point. Like, do you think Jesus did the right thing? Um, and, uh, do you think it's even like, do you think it's wrong to be tempted in this way? Uh, do you think it's wrong to like, is, is, is temptation itself a sin is, is all the, all the sorts of things that he feels longing for, but doesn't do, but has pride for, he talks about. Um, he has pride that he doesn't give in to his temptations, which is a sin. And it's this uh, it's this sort of convoluted mess that the human being gets into where there's no way out. There's none of us who can, you know, uh, make it through life uh, being perfect. Right. And that is the that is the difference. Right. Uh, that. That is what leaves me uh, a little bit unsatisfied with this movie is that like. How does a sinful man dying for, you know, the world uh, accomplish anything? I don't know. I don't know. And that's why, uh, you know, this motivation for him to be the Messiah um, is very strange to us because we see ourselves in him, uh, in this character, and we're like, what is that going to do? Who cares? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's fascinating. I think one... Uh an element to the story is that Scorsese is trading on our cultural understanding of Jesus and taking his, his own Catholic upbringing and saying, I'm going to assume, you know, that Jesus is the central figure of the Christian faith, that he was a, a man who lived and died on the cross for our sins and made it possible for, for people to know God again. Um, and assuming that you are bringing that with you into the movie and can therefore then think about it. And, and of course, not necessarily a, 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 strength of the film when viewed purely from a cinematic lens of like like christian you're saying i know this from my own background about jesus but the movie is not 
effectively communicating it to me if I try to leave that at the door and just take what the movie is depicting. And, and, and that's, again, something that holds me back from like a full, like, full-throated endorsement. This is Scorsese's secret masterpiece. Um, there are certainly people who have that opinion, and you can go ver- find them very easily on Letterboxd or IMDb or wherever. But I do agree there and that there are certain limits to limiting Jesus's, the portrayal of Jesus's divinity and, and connection to God that all, you know, limit his compelling char- nature as a character, I suppose. But. Which brings me back to this would be a wonderful movie. Where this person, A, not Jesus, B, not a leader of anything. That I felt the struggle in, in the character. I felt the wanting to follow something, not knowing if they should, wanting to live a mm-hmm. uh, quote-unquote life where they could just have a family. They're really big on Jesus having a family at the beginning of this movie. And I... It's that is an interesting notion, but again, if you don't make it about Jesus, it probably doesn't make thirty-three million dollars at the box office. It probably lessens the um, the amounts that people are going to think about what it is that 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 Jesus's Son of Man status means. So it's like I get it, and yet the same thing that made it successful by making the character Jesus are what kept me back from it and from thinking this could be a successful film. Folks, that is The Last Temptation of Christ, which is not currently streaming anywhere, but easily rentable and possibly even available at your local library. There was a Criterion Collection release of this, so uh, you can find it, I'm sure. Sounds like Paul and I would encourage you to check it out, and Christian would not encourage you to check it out. But if uh, Christianity is your particular faith persuasion, engage the controversy. Be provoked. See what you think, and let us know your thoughts on it, because, of course, we do enjoy listener feedback here on the show. Or watch Veggie Tales. Um, uh, <laughs> sure, Christian. <laughs> they can watch Veggie Tales, which is a... And a <laughs> entirely different uh, tone shall we say from this film but next week on the show we are not getting any less serious and in fact we might be getting even more serious because we are wading deeper into jesus based controversial films and we are going to be talking about mel gibson's the passion of the christ i have not actually seen the passion it came out when i was still at elementary school and my parents shielded me from it and i mean for good reason it's rated r and i but i never got around to seeing it after that even after i learned about it some of the controversies surrounding it and read the good reviews read the bad ones uh paul christian any connection to the passion it started mel gibson's long vacation (laughs) shall we say Paul, have you seen The Passion of the Christ? Do you have any opinions on it? Uh, I've seen it a number of times. Uh, it's a... Uh, yeah, I'm really interested to hear you guys talk about it. I remember it being a very powerful film. Uh, it is uh, a... I mean, it's about the torture and uh, execution of a man uh, depicted in horrifying detail. Um, you know, I, I'll be really interested to hear what you guys think about the various controversies surrounding it, but what, it, what it's like as a film, too. Um, it's been a while. Um, it's not uh, something I, you know, sit down with a tub of popcorn and you know consume. <laughs> How long Let's, is the fashion yeah. of the guys? <laughs> Let's dive into it. Um, you know, Christian, I'm not entirely sure. 
feel free to look it up. Uh, <laughs> right now, I'm looking to see if it's streaming anywhere. And in fact, it is. It is streaming on both Prime Video and Peacock. And it's also on Canopy right now, which you can get through your local library. So check out Canopy if you can, folks. It's two hours and seven minutes long. Look at that, Christian. We're, we're reeling it in. Two hours and 43 minutes to two hours and seven. We're making it easier on you. So hopefully... <laughs> You have a better time watching this, although it's a but again, by definition, yeah, a brutal execution. Di- by definition, it's excruciating. Uh, look it up. Indeed, we could have waited until Mel Gibson made the sequel and watched the sequel and the original. But now, Christian, we'll just be prepared with the whole passion cinematic universe. Until uh, next week, folks, if you've reached this point in the conversation, check out The Passion of the Christ and listen to our conversation next week. It should be an interesting one. Want to give a quick thank you to Paul. Thank you for returning to the show. We appreciate you, sir. And is there anything that you have to plug right now? I know the Author's Dozen podcast is still out there, but inactive. So if people want to hear your thoughts on writing 12 novels in a year, they can check that out. But anything else you have to plug right now? Nothing. Uh, I made a Instagram reel I'm really proud of called Hamwater. Uh, you can find that on uh, I am Paul Yoder uh, Instagram. So um, enjoy that. Sounds incredible, and I can't that's wait. That's my work. That's my that's my artistry to rival Last Temptation. <laughs> uh, some have said that Hamwater is is Paul Yoder's uh, The Last Temptation of the Christ, but that's you know that's neither here nor there. Uh, Of course, there are a few things that you can do to support this show. Listeners, if you're still out there and you haven't wondered when I'm going to stop talking, which I guess if you wonder that, you're probably not listening to this podcast in the first place. But there are a few things you can do. Number one, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating or a review if applicable. Obviously, warms our hearts to see those positive reviews come in, but also helps us grow on those respective platforms. So subscribe, rate, review, all that fun stuff. You can also send us an email to cinemaontappodcast at gmail.com, especially as we are wading into some interesting waters here, looking at films about Jesus Christ. We'd love to know your thoughts on these movies and uh, whether or not you you share this faith perspective, your thoughts on the depiction and, and how it relates to matters of faith, religion, and and theology, whatever. I uh, would love to know your thoughts, folks. So that's, again, cinemaontappodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow myself and the show on Twitter, Christian on Instagram, and both Christian and myself, as well as Paul, on Letterboxd, where we are regularly rating and reviewing the things that we are watching. Christian, any final thoughts for the folks listening along at home? I met Pat Oswalt yesterday. No, that's a, that's, a, that's a wonderful person to meet. I'm a little bit jealous of you. He was nice. We had a conversation. Yeah. Shout out to... He crawled on top of your... He crawled on top of your head and started uh, piloting you like a like a robot. I, I, don't, I don't get the reference. Oh, was he Ratatouille? He is he is the voice of Remy. Oh, okay. <laughs> Ratatouille. Um, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. No, that's that's I should have. It's just that I think of Remy. I don't think of Patton Oswalt as Remy. I I think of Patton Oswalt as the guy from Magnolia for like ten seconds. <laughs> All right, oh, folks. No. We got to wrap this show up. So. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, this has been Cinema on Tap. Thanks for listening once again. I normally say that at the end, and I said it before. Just stop recording. Save this in post, Christian.